Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, Channel 10 goes to war with its critics, including TV Black Box. Channel 7 celebrates Olympic success and we farewell some TV legends who we lost over the past week. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Well, hello on what is another big week of television news. Joining us in the hot seat to talk about everything going on is, of course, Aaron Ryan in Perth. Hello, Aaron. Yeah, hello, gorgeous people. Nice to be here. Sarah Monaghan joins us from Florida. Hello, Sarah. I may cough, but I promise it's not COVID. I got tested. So, all right, we're on a Zoom, so I'm not going to get it anyway. <laughs> not that I don't care about you having COVID. I care very much. Uh, and also joining us today is David Robinson from the Sunshine State. Hello, David. Very good morning to you, Rob. Thanks for having me. And, mate, it was very nice to see you on Studio 10 on Monday, mm-hmm. celebrating 2,000 episodes. Very nice to see yeah, it was, it was lots of fun, and I was very honoured that they uh, they decided to have me back for a little bit. A walk down memory lane to uh, with Angela Bishop and Sarah Harris. It was a lovely morning. Yeah, and look, a sincere congratulations to everyone working on the show. 2,000 episodes in the TV industry is no mean feat, even for a five-day-a-week show. That show has gone on. It's survived. It's doing great. So congratulations to all involved. Well done. Here, here. Well done. All right, let's get into the news because Channel 10 has declared war on its critics with harsh penalties for anyone who dares write anything negative about Australia's third-ranked commercial network. A number of media writers who spoke to TV Black Box on condition of anonymity say the network takes away access to its press releases and screeners at the drop of a hat. Recently, TV Black Box was blocked from all access after an article which pointed out the network was not undisputed under 50s, as it had claimed. Aaron, it It was quite surprising the number of media writers who have major beef with 10 over its bullying techniques and we even saw in response to my article a writer for the Daily Telegraph go on the record on Twitter and call for new leadership of the network. Yeah, I'm not surprised that there are other publications that were in the same boat but um, not many people will speak out so I think it was very big and, and, and brave of you to actually write the the, the article and, and, and bring this to the media's attention. And other people agree. Some people I know would have emailed you and said, we agree, but please don't say, uh, you know, that's from us. Um, but a few, <laughs> a few people did actually, you know, put their name to it, which is great. And look, the thing I would say is that it was very interesting just making a few calls and getting some quotes for this article. Obviously, as I said, they didn't want to be named, but the frustration and... The quotes 
were real. And that was interesting to me because what it showed was that it's not just, you know, you could write us off as a small publication, even though we get 1.6 million page views a month. You could say, well, 10 are just writing us off because they don't think we're worthy of anything and worthy of their time. But it shows that they're taking on the big players in town and I think it's ultimately doing them long-term damage, Aaron, because these writers give 10 no, um, do 10 no favours when the time is needed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what, what these websites, TV Black Box and other websites provide is actually free promotion for them. I mean, it, it, I mean, if we were charging for this, it would be, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars over the years of free advertising that they get. So it's it's not great um i mean i could take so many you know different angles from from this um personally because i've been doing writing for 22 years now i think my first interview was with lynn mcgranger from home and away um 22 22 years ago so my take is that under uh previous management tim was uh the progressive network talking to different networks being out there with social media and finding alternative mm. ways to, to connect with their audience i used to visit 10 quite often then and, and do the tours set visits have a chat with david mott he used to ask my opinions on on shows and schedules but i guess under the new leadership that continued for a while i did a full podcast like 10 years ago with bev mcgarvey but the network did come under a lot of pressure due to lower ratings ownership uncertainties debt low staff morale and 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 loss of direction for a bit so being heaped heaped upon by the media during that time and and you know having jobs under intense scrutiny in, in my view i think that's where the battle line started with 10 um under a lot of pressure I think the the whip came out because um, I think the leadership thought that they could control media outlets because what is a television website if it if you don't count one of the commercial networks it would look quite funny to run TV black box minus channel ten I mean it's so to be fair at times that did work um, but it destroyed a lot of independent um, unbiased media writing uh, within the sector which is a shame so hopefully. Um, 10 will come back to the fold and realise we're all here talking about free-to-wear television. We love free-to-wear television. Um, I've been writing on it for, as I said, over 20 years. We live and breathe it like some of the big names that, you know, that have passed away recently, like David Leckie. We live and breathe television. So hopefully uh, the leadership at, at 10 reconsider that and let's just all get back into talking about television. Look, the simple fact is that we don't need 10. They don't give us drops. They don't give us exclusive stories. We source our stories externally from production sources and the like. However, we would obviously like to have a good relationship with 10. They are ready to write people off when they get called out on what they're trying to put out. If it's bad ratings, if it's a lie, like saying undisputed under 50s, which is a lie. No matter how you dice those figures... As we showed very clearly, that is a lie. And for a network that is now spruiking itself on integrity, remember that upfronts they did where they spoke about integrity. Then in the very same reel, they are lying to the advertisers they're trying to sell to by claiming to be undisputed under 50s. When you do that, that is worthy of a story. 
when you launch a new show like The Bachelor and it gets its lowest ratings launch ever, that is worthy of a story. But the way in the bubble at 10 they see this is they sit there and say, he's anti-10, he's got a vendetta. And that's what they try to feed out through social mo- through social media and other forms. And the simple fact is, even, even if I had a vendetta, it doesn't change the facts. The simple fact is, Ten and I had actually gotten over all the issues from the past. We actually had a good relationship. But of course, when we continued to do unbiased coverage and we called things out without fear or favour, they take the heavy stick approach. That does not work with me. It does not work with TV Black Box. So right now, the leadership at 10 have to make a decision. As they go through hard times, as they're under scrutiny from their American bosses, do they want to work with the media that can help them sell their messages, or do they want a combative relationship in the public space? I know what I'd prefer. I'd prefer to work with 10. But I'm also not going to kowtow when there is a legitimate story to be told. So 10 has to make the decision on what kind of relationship they want with the people bigger publications than TV Black Box, who are setting the agenda and the narrative when it comes to the TV industry. I get the feeling people are trying to hold on to their jobs at the moment. There's a new boss from CBS looking after 10, or now overseeing 10 and some of the other stations. Are they going to be happy to see that 10 is losing share in its under 50 demo. 7 and 9 both rose in the under 50s demo. So this is the demo 10 are claiming as their own. 10 is the only network, the only commercial network to lose share. 9 and 7 both gain share and 10 is number 3. I'd be very worried about the media commentary if I was 10. Is it is it worse since Viacom took over because it's a very American way of like how publicists and agents work where they do a thing of, you know, if they have multiple clients and they have one A-lister and then a bunch of, you know, regular half grade celebrities and, you know, people, they'll say, you know, you either give good publicity to my regular people or I won't allow you to have access to my A-grades um, and they try and hold like the whole pool of people. Um, and I think they forget that honey gets more than vinegar. And I think that, you know, mm. it's, I desperately want 10 to make it because Australia needs 10. It's been around since before I have. Um, but I, I feel bad right now that they're, they're stuck in the old ways of playing. And I think that th- while they desperately need good publicity and people to write amazing things about them like they need to go and take an instagram course like where all of the the instagrammers (laughs) tell people you know write nice things about people and be nice to people and they will write nice things about you back and that's how you get good publicity is you know it's the hand you know like everybody works in like almost like a circle jerk where everyone is just you know being nice to everybody (laughs) and everybody wins instead of you know one person you know being like well you get to eat the sayo you know, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> oh, oh, Sarah. 
<laughs> I had Good friends morning. who went to boarding school. Anyway, so, but I desperately, I desperately want Ten to make it. And I hope that they can just, just play nice and everyone will play nice back to you. Here's the thing. Because Ten are acting this way, it would be very easy for me not to say positive things about the network. Just on this podcast last week, I raved about their 9pm strategy and how great I thought it was that they're doing the cheap seats and and really starting to own 9pm. I think it's a smart strategy. But also, we are human and the way we're treated does get reflected back. And so if you're treating someone like shit, people can't help but treat you like shit back. So there needs to be a middle ground with 10. And I think their strategy really needs a look at because it's not like they're the number one network kicking goals. You know, there's a lot of negative stories to be written about 10. If they want to try and highlight the positive, you need to get people on side. It's as simple as that. This is basic stuff. And if 10 can't understand that, then maybe CBS, Viacom CBS need to get people in charge who do understand that. Know how to get good programming and know how to work the media. Because right now, and this isn't their PR team, 10's PR team are doing what they're told to do. Their 10's PR team is actually very nice and very good to deal with. This comes from the top. These decisions are being made at the top and I really would suggest a rethink of your strategy. I think it's also just a case of grow up too. I mean, this is not just Channel 10. I mean, I sometimes get accused of of 7-centric. Seven do give access, um, but they're, they're called out when they need to be called out. I mean, I've called out seven this year i mean ultimate tag was a pile of shit and <laughs> last week on on the podcast i talked about katie hopkins inclusion in you know and seven taking the high road saying we don't want controversial you know comments like this when she was a controversial woman and i think that was a bit silly for seven to cancel her because of controversial comments i mean we call it out when we call it out for all networks this is not a channel 10 versus the rest of the world thing. I mean, we comment the good and the bad on all channels. So The difference is, Aaron, you have your back and forth with the networks, but the networks don't go, well, we're not going to give you access. You're not getting our previews of the shows nobody's watching. We're not going to give you our ratings. We're not going to give you our press releases. The other networks, you can have a Barney with them, and really, at the end of the day, you then shake hands. They, sometimes they'll disagree. i tell you what, though. If they pick up on something and they challenge you and you go, yeah, okay, that's a fair point, you will change it. But at the moment, why would I change anything that 10 come to me with? Why? It's very mean girls. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't work. They don't have the might and they don't have the power. But look, let's move on to some good news, or at least some good news for Channel 7. And it's the ratings race, and let me tell you, it's all about the Olympics. The Games have really delivered for Seven with the opening ceremony, watched by two million people in the five-cap cities. The Olympics have caused such disruption that on Saturday night, 10's primary channel could only manage a measly 3.3% share. Survivor launched strong for 10, though, last week with 752,000, but dropped by 200k this week, up against the Games. And I've got to say, that's not too bad a result, considering how strong the games are. 
But the news wasn't so good for The Bachelor, which had its lowest launch ever, and that was before the games even started. Beauty and the Geek on Nine is doing well, but the network is holding off its big guns like The Block until after the Olympics. In terms of commercial shares, Seven romped home with 48.9% of total people, followed by Nine on 30.8 and 10 on 20.3. Team Red also claimed the 25 to 54 and 16 to 39 demos. Robbo. Ten took a gamble by pitting up some big brands against the Olympics. Do you reckon that was a good strategy? And look, I would say it was worth a shot, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was worth a shot for anyone who doesn't just sit back and let the Olympics, um, you know, be the, the, the reign supreme. Uh, what I think is interesting is I'm, I have to say to you, I'm shocked by the ratings. Uh, I would like to ask the panel as well, uh, when I finish my rant, of course, uh, that uh, <laughs> if it wasn't COVID, would we be watching as much? Uh, to me, the Olympics just does not have the shine that it used to. And I think it's being helped by the fact that 14 million of us are in lockdown. So let's watch the Olympics. Uh, I think it was was a, a good move by 10 to go no 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 remember when we would cut programming and and put nothing on during the uh during the christmas break and then people started to program and, and take it seriously and now we go you know all the way through the year essentially mm. um that's kind of what 10 was doing and i really liked that i think that's that's strong that's brave you want those kind of decision making um you want that kind of decision making to happen uh but at the same time you've got to accept the results when it doesn't work uh, again, I'm going to go back to my question. Guys, what do you think? Would the Olympics still rate as much if we were not in lockdown? Tough question. Tough question. Because I, I thought it had lost. Well, there was no buzz leading up to it. Yeah, but what yeah. surprised me was the opening ceremony doing so very well. And uh, look, I've got to say, maybe you're right. But maybe there is just something special about the Olympics that we all get behind. You look at Survivor, it's actually holding up okay. A 200k loss up against something so big is actually okay. The big concern for 10 last week was the Bachelor launching to such a soft launch before the Olympics started. Mm. So that um, anti-programming strategy against the Olympics was was doomed in, with, in that respect before it started. Aaron, I think the Bachelor lifted a little bit in the second episode, but uh, it's going to face, it's going to be tough up against the Olympics this week for it. And do you agree with Robbo? Do you think people are watching the Olympics because of lockdown? Okay, so about five questions in there. So I, <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> in terms of the Bachelor, I think that the issue for the Bachelor is not necessarily the Olympics. I think it might have been the Bachelor and the, this particular season, which people aren't tuning in. Because if you look at not just Australian Survivor, but Beauty and the Geek, everything else has actually held its own uh, during the Olympics. I mean, I think Beauty and the Geek was still in the 600,000s. Yeah. Um, so that was actually really good results um, for them. I, I, I think I think in terms of what Robbo was saying, though, with the Olympics, I think it's both. I think the Olympics were going to be huge for sure, but I would have expected 40 45% shares per night. But uh, maybe it was the lockdown, maybe it's the Olympics, but first three nights, 54 59 49% shares. I mean, almost 60% shares on a night. That is just crazy figures, um, and that part might contribute to, to lockdown. But, I mean, you know, the Olympics are still huge. I think people were expecting, you know, 40%, 45% shares each night. Uh, I don't think that was 
I think that was going to happen. The other thing I just wanted to mention um, in in terms of the previous week where Nine had State of Origin, we mentioned that Nine won the week by 0.3. I said on the podcast I predicted that Seven would snatch the week back with consolidated numbers, and that did actually happen. So Seven has actually won Origin Week now by 0.2. So I think that leaves uh, Nine and Seven on 11 weeks each this year. And just uh, in case anyone wants any figures, commercial shares are year to date now. Total people, that puts seven over the line by uh, 0.4%. So it's 38.2 to 38% for nine. So that's, sorry, that's 0.2%. Seven are in front now. But in the demos, nine is actually still going well. People 25 to 54 Nine is up 3.4% on seven and 1.8% in 16 to 39. So uh, there's still some catch up with the demos, but seven just going ahead of nine now year to date in commercial figures. And in under 50s, nine is in front, followed by seven and then 10, as my article the other week showed. Anyway, Peter Overton and the team at Nine News Sydney are celebrating another ratings victory, claiming 21 weeks out of a possible 40. That means Nine's flagship 6pm bulletin has now won the Sydney battle for 11 consecutive years. And let me tell you, the stats are impressive. Out of the last 400 ratings weeks, Nine has won 384 weeks and all other other networks combined, including the ABC, have won just over 16 over the last decade. Wow, Robbo, considering how down and out nine was in 2008, this turnaround, it's its amazing, isn't it? The way the, the ship was turned around, the team worked hard, they're still working hard, they're not taking their audience for granted, and it's a great win. It is a great win because I, I grew up as a, as a seven boy. So I yeah, was me always, too. yeah, very much affiliated with seven. Um, it's comforting to know that Nine News is still a number one because over the years with, with the big events, and I'm talking over the past 30, 40 years, uh, Australia turned to nine when it came to those those big news events. Uh, there's something comforting about knowing that even this changing media landscape where everything is topsy-turvy, that there's this one thing that's still the one, and that is Nine News. Uh, and, it, it, you know, it, it would it would just thrill me if for one week they'd change it back to National Nine News, uh, <laughs> that we heard Peter Harvey one more time talk to us from Canberra. Um, you know, I, 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 there's just something about it. would be a ghost, it. but that'd be interesting. That's right. <laughs> we could do like a hologram thing like they're doing with Whitney Houston in, uh, in yeah, Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Peter Harvey, Canberra. Yeah. Oh, goosebumps. Um, yeah, cut that out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so, Rob, you were there in that transitional time. Uh, Nine had always been number one, and then in, in Willoughby they hadn't been for a while. Mm. What was it like to work in a place where for so long it was just a guaranteed thing that you would walk in at 8.30 or 9 o'clock, the ratings would come out, and, you know, it was a no-brainer, Nine News was number one, and then it wasn't. What was it like to rebuild that? Yeah, well, that was interesting because I was at Seven News doing the Seven News promos when Seven became number one, which is why Nine wanted to get me over. So it was interesting coming into that newsroom where there were a lot of people who wanted change. Some just thought it was a cycle. There were many cynics in the newsroom who just thought, we'll be number one again, that's how it goes. And they didn't see the battle that it would take. And what was interesting is that from the CEO down, there was a big 
David Gingell was very instrumental in wanting to get Nine News back to number one. And Michael Healy was very supportive of that. They made big changes to the management of Nine News. Mark Calvert came in as the head of news. Darren Wick took over the Sydney newsroom. Promotion was given a lot of leeway. Some of the crazy shit I did with the promos, you would never normally do. You would never usually show introductions from Seven News to prove you were two days early seven with the news story. Seven News late again. Yes. That, well, that was the one where we probably crossed the line. Um, but that's probably a story for another time. It did involve Peter Harvey. Um and and that led to cameramen having fights and and threats on the on the streets when oh, and we showed a cameraman remember. turning up late to a story and the voiceover said nine news first on the scene when this happened seven news late again and it showed the cameraman getting his gear out of the car caused a lot of issues on the streets but the team with wiki and hobsy and and mary and and you know a lot of people in that newsroom have worked hard for the past 12, 13 years, getting that newsroom to where it is. It's such a slick operation now. And, you know, we we changed things like exclusive went and we changed it to first on nine and to back up the branding of what we were doing on a bigger campaign. And with a logo as well. So it yes. was, that's what worked as well, I think, to have the logo first on nine because then you look and you go, okay, the nine, the dots, as opposed to just having exclusive with an underline. Mm. Uh, you had something that you could go, oh, okay, so first on I first. It, it took on, I think, exclusive has it has a feeling behind the word, especially when you're working in media, but when you saw first on nine, it, it transcended that. It, yes. it was above the exclusive. Exclusive, it exclusive to me says you matter. paid for it and, and then first says we actually got the story first. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's an interesting, and you know what, Sarah, I've never thought about it in those terms, I've got to say, but that's an interesting way that you've perceived that. And as the creator of First On Nine, I can't say that's what I can't say that's what I thought. But because someone could break the news, and then you know someone else from another network goes out and says, "I'll pay you for the story, and we'll get it." But it's already been broken; like it's already out there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Robo, it's funny you talk about the logo, which was essentially a red line underneath the word first we had see it first on nine news which transitioned into first on nine news i was literally down with the graphics operator and just had a piece of paper and i wrote see it first and did the little line and just the way i happened to do the line put this little curvature in which i didn't intend but the graphic artist represented put yes. that into the logo so that it had that little thing which yeah. became the logo so uh but it wasn't all about the promos and this is the big point i want to make i'm not sitting here saying oh isn't rob great sure i am but <laughs> there was <laughs> i was waiting for it i thought what's going on but there is the team the team that got behind that campaign the team that changed the news look you you compare nine news in 2008 to even three years later but let alone mm. 10 or 11 years later and it is a completely different bulletin live crosses weren't a thing the pace of the bulletin everything sped up graphics let you know they were in your face they were a little bit of fox news in there making you making it feel like things were important there was a rethink on the way they presented the news and that might seem trivial but it was important and the way they covered the regions was important and people getting to know that their local region was being covered was important 
People might write all that off as dressing, but to the viewers at home watching the bulletin, making their choices, all these things that the newsroom did were important. Now, as I said, at the time, there were critics. There were people inside the newsroom leaking to the media. But ultimately, over time, everyone got on board and got behind this. And one of the biggest things, and this can't be discounted at all, is the man behind the desk. Peter Overton mm-hmm. is just a stellar performer. Uh, we know that he, he's he's earned his stripes on the road in 60 minutes. He's a genuinely lovely man, and I think people also respond to that. He, he does little things like, I'm going to take you now, uh, you know, to, to Robert I want to go to reporter yes. Lizzie Pearl. He's in control. You know, he's got control. Being- He's in control without being patronising. He's in control because he's just a lovely man uh, who knows what he's doing. He's at home behind the desk. And I think that was one of the the best decisions ever. Obviously, Seven is stuck with Mark Ferguson in Sydney. uh, And, you know, and the, the, the ratings speak for themselves. But when you see Peter Overton behind that desk or you hear his voice, you just go, okay, I'm in good hands here and I'm getting I'm getting what I need to what I need to do. He's great under pressure. He's great on the road. Uh, that's a big deal as well. And and probably whoever made that decision back in the day should still be being paid by the network. Because I, I want to pick up from what, what Robbo was saying. I did, just from a viewer point of view, I didn't want to oversimplify it, but I'm not a pro 9 U Sydney or pro 7 U Sydney. I'm just pro Peter Overton. I've never met him, and I'm, and I'm sure, uh, Rob, you've got some stories, but just from a viewer point of view, he just seems like he's got, like, he's got great a personality, on-air persona. It just shines through. He's professional, but he's also a real people's person. I just think, I'm just pro Peter Overton. I just think he's awesome, and um, I just think well done on, on the job that he does personally. When you meet him, and I've met him a few times, and I'm dropping a name there, but you you melt like butter, and he's talking to you, and there yeah. might be thousands of other people in the room, but He's talking to you, and you just feel it, and then that's why it works. He's a big, he's a big fella, but mm. he's just, yeah, he's a lovely, lovely man, and that's why it works behind the desk. And look, a couple of things. Seven will obviously point out that they are number one nationally, but when it comes to six pm news, we need to look at state by state because that's where the battle lines are. It's not a national news service; it is a state by state. Just like we should look in Melbourne at the battle between. Peter Mitchell and Peter Kitchener. That's the battle there. And like that all around the cities. And Seven would also point out the fact that... what I was was just going to say, except in Perth, there's no battleground there. (laughs) Um, And Seven would also point out that they calculate it differently. They don't do weeks one. They do the average. Nine will still win the year on averages anyway. But the simple fact is Seven used to count weeks one until it didn't work for them. I judge Rob and declaring nine has won the year because weeks one is a thing. <coughs> Verdict in. All right, moving on. From good news for Channel 9 to bad, because the network has breached broadcasting rules for failing to disclose a commercial arrangement with McDonald's behind a segment on its Today program aired in October 2020. Over the course of the program, the Today Show presenters discussed a new McDonald's product line and presented a range on camera. An Australian Communications and Media Authority investigation found Nine did not satisfactorily bring to viewers' attention that it had a commercial arrangement with McDonald's to endorse the product as required under the Commercial Television Industry Code of Practice. Now, look, Sarah, product integration is becoming the new norm. I can't 
help but feel this was just a stupid stuff up by not putting it on the closing credits. Hey, Instagrammers can be sued now by the government because they didn't hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored. Like when you're blatantly talking about a product, it's not because you're getting paid for it, Um, which is why I don't do sponsorships and I will put not an ad um, on my stuff when I actually like something. Um, I am open to sponsorships, so please call me at (laughs) (laughs) 1-800-ROB. But, I mean, if someone's rattling on about McDonald's over and over and over for hours during a program, I mean, if you don't think it's paid, I mean, and, you know, people, it's just No, no, I I do think it's fair enough. And, look, Rob, I will tell you, we had plenty of product integrations at Studio 10, but all you had to do was put it on the closing credits and you were fine. You didn't have to announce it within the course of the segment. And, look, there are some people who say you absolutely should. Some people say there should be a billboard saying the following segment is brought to you by McDonald's. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. As a producer, I absolutely wouldn't want that. As a consumer, I probably would. So um, because I did a lot of integration, the key is having it on those closing credits. And, look, people always think this is some conspiracy to try and get out of something. This would come down to a junior producer not knowing the rules who got given this segment to do, passed down through the sales team, flicked to a junior producer who did it, not realising they had to make sure the DA included McDonald's in the list of commercial arrangements at the end of the show. It's As simple as that. It's not a big conspiracy. If you want the endorsements to be clearer during segments, then that's something you need to push. I am of the personal view that if it's on the closing credits, it's fine. And TV stations need commercial integration because that's help paying the bills. Sorry, Rob. Sorry. I'm just saying, sorry. Oh, my mouth is full. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I'm enjoying this Hungry Jack's uh, double quarter pounder <laughs> bacon deluxe. Uh, and you should go to Hungry Jack's and get, oh, that's delicious. I'll put that down for a moment. Um, Ac- can Abby, we talk just about Ac- remind me to put that in the closing credits? Yeah. <laughs> can we talk about ACMA for a minute? ACMA is a toothless tiger. It, it roars a little bit puts out these things, but doesn't actually do anything to anyone. It just, we're very upset. We're disappointed. We're not angry. We're disappointed in you. It doesn't actually change anything. There's no there's no massive fallback for any network, and especially since the time I've been there. I've never seen anything major really happen. So what Nine's going to do is, um, oh, well, we're going to bring the ACMA's decision um, to our staff. Okay, tickety-boo. Uh, does that mean you'll train them better? Probably not. Does that mean that – and I'm talking about all networks here. Um, Robert, I, I, there's one part of that I disagree with. As a producer and I, and having been at the end of an ACMA investigation, there is a fear about an ACMA investigation. You don't want that happening. And you also don't want to push ACMA into taking – extreme measures. We had a very serious situation on Studio 10 where a producer, a senior producer, put Rob Lowe's naked erection to air during, true story, during the 1980s episode of um, Studio 10. We were talking about things that had happened in the past and this producer got the still frame from his video and apparently didn't realise what was sticking out. That wasn't and me, by the way, because he keeps, you know, that wasn't me. There, there no, seems it wasn't to be a general you. feeling. It wasn't you. Oh, I had a general um, feeling. But things like that happened, and ACMA did an investigation about that. Um, and but what were they going to do, Rob? What were they going to do? 
they they can take away a TV license, and that's the power they hold. Now, obviously, no one wants nobody went to put an erection to air. It was a complete stuff up. It could have cost someone their job. It was a big stuff up. Akmar realised that it was a mistake. We got found guilty, obviously, because we did do it. And um, But they understood that it was a production error and uh, there was training involved and we made sure that it wasn't repeated. And the fact is, on the sausage factory that is television, mistakes do happen. Weird kind of analogy there. I would have gone for something else. Uh, but any it other is. Kind you're of factory. always pumping it out. You're yep. pumping out. Oh, you're stop, pumping out. Stop saying words like that when we're talking about Rob Lowe's erection. You can't say <laughs> pumping out. You can't say sausage factory. You know what? Say. The only thing that can save us now is hatches and dispatches <laughs> with Sarah. Well, thank you, Rob. I was listening oh, to last week. Do you know what? I forgot to change the script to say, thank you, Rob, you sexy beast. Well, thank you, Rob, <laughs> you sexy beast. Uh, no, 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 no. Shut it down. Yeah. Uh, I think that Moff did it much better than me, actually. Um, <laughs> the sexy beast? Well, just the, the very sexy voice in general. Um, <laughs> anyway, Channel 7 has announced that Amanda Abate will present 7 News Gold Coast weekdays at 5.30pm, replacing Rod Young, who bid farewell last Thursday. He's known as TV's Mr. Fix-It on the living room, but Barry Baz Dubois is about to take on his biggest challenge yet, running for a seat in the Senate in the next federal election. The surprise announcement seems to have had the backing of his employer, Ten, who issued the press release announcing the news. Rumours are swirling that Thomas Markle Jr. has just arrived in Sydney to take part in Channel 7's Big Brother VIP. New Idea reports Meghan Markle's brother was spotted by numerous airport staff who are unable to get photos of their own, but sources say the rumours are correct, with filming set to take place in the coming weeks. Peter Van Oselen has been dumped from the Sunday project to make way for Hamish McDonald, who will be returning to the program after quitting the ABC. The move comes after rumours of on-set tensions between PBO and Lisa Wilkinson after his disastrous appearance on Insiders when he appeared to support Christian Porter. After much speculation, Amazon Prime Video has finally confirmed Clarkson's Farm will return for second season following the runaway success of the UK original series in June. The move comes after Clarkson tweeted Amazon boss Jeff Bezos after his successful spaceflight. And I love that show, so I'm so excited to come back. We all do. <laughs> and that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. In a moment, we'll be opening up the TV binge box to find out what everyone's been watching and then a big change of pace. There's been some tragic passings this week in the TV industry and we're going to take the time to look back and remember each and every one of them. You're listening to TV Black Box. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. 
It's been a week of sadness in the TV industry with some notable deaths and we just wanted to take a moment and acknowledge these people who have had a big impact on the industry. First up, the death of David Leckie. Leckie, who was 70, was a titan in the industry, serving as CEO of Nine and then Seven. Sacked by Kerry Packer over the Oztam digital rating system, Leckie went to Seven and turned the second place network into number one. Robbo, they don't make them like this anymore and... Lecky's success cannot be understated because Seven was always network second. Not network seven, they were network second. They were happy with that. Lecky went in and changed the culture. Well, he famously called them the uh, the Rose Chook Network, didn't he? And uh, was, was told Seven when he got there uh, to embrace what they are. They, they were not... The, the gold standard of nine, but they certainly had a place in the community. Uh, he also, I remember reading in a book once, uh, couldn't stand the fact that Seven at this time had different colours for their logo. He goes, you're red, like pick a colour, it's red, that's what we're going with. Uh, and that was also very, very important. <laughs> I, I remember the I was, rainbow. Yeah, well, he didn't. <laughs> Did he? No. Um, uh, <laughs> I, w- I was interviewing... Um, Jonathan Holmes, who is the EP of drama at Seven at the time at uh, their place in Jones Bay in Sydney, and he stopped talking to me and he looked up and I was like, I, I, why, why is this man? Oh, and then there's this big hulking giant walking through and Jonathan Holmes goes, oh, the hulking giant's here. And we just watched him. We both just stopped talking. We watched him walk through the department and he goes, oh, he must be happy today because he didn't say anything. And I thought, wow, that you know, that is the the, the gravitar of the, of the man in uh, I don't know that he'd survive now. If you read books about Mr. Lecky, you'd you'd find that uh, he had a certain way of speaking, a certain way of making decisions, but that's what made networks number one and, and clearly number one. This is a massive loss, and it was one of those things where you where you read about it and you think, oh, wow, that, that we're so much closer to the death of free-to-air television when we've lost someone like that. Uh, he mm-hmm. was an absolute giant. Uh, he did amazing things. Uh, Peter Meekin has told a story at 10 uh, a few years ago where he himself and David Leckie were in Kerry Packer's office uh, and Kerry Packer was tearing strips off Leckie. Um, Leckie then turned and said, well, what about him to Peter Meekin? Um, Kerry Packer wasn't interested in Meekin at that time. He then walked them to the elevator, put them both in the elevator, and then there were other people in there and, and Kerry Packer said, uh, everyone be nice to him, pointing to Leckie. He's had a bit of a rough morning. <laughs> <laughs> So it's funny, Robbo, that Leckie had a lot of power. When he went to Seven, he embraced Sunrise, talking about that roast chook. Seven had always been embarrassed about the roast chook label, which came from their own research. Leckie embraced it. He embraced Sunrise. But he didn't have any respect for Seven's history. Epping used to have all the photos around the building. He, One of his first things was get rid of all those photos. He wanted to move forward. He then made the decision to get to Jones Bay, get into the city, change the culture of the place. Yeah, which I didn't agree with at all because I, I just feel eternally grateful that I, I worked at Epping for I think maybe in total three or four months, but mm. I adored the fact that I worked there. I mm. loved the photos. Yeah. I, um, you know, I loved studio. It was my childhood home. That's right. I lived at Channel 7 Epping more than I lived in any other house in my childhood. Yeah, yes. and I was going to ask you, Sarah, I was going to ask you about that because you, you spent more time there than any of us combined, but it was just so lovely to be there. Uh, that's the problem, and I think it's very sad. And, and the thing I think about 
is I went back to Epping once after it was sold off and, you know, that's just the reality of the situation. And the only thing that's there is a street called Seven Street. Yes. This wonderful, massive, beautiful place of television and it's not there anymore. It just doesn't work, though, to have those kind of facilities. You don't need them anymore. And the simple fact is he was right to move the company into the city Um and like you, I used to love walking around that Epping building and just taking in the history and walking through the studios. From the point of view of looking at the man, for someone who could be so big and so intimidating, there was also a shyness to him. I remember very specifically he held drinks for the promos team, which I was at when I was at seven. And we all went up to the boardroom and executives are milling around and you expected Leckie to come in like, right, but he was very shy. And he actually spent most of the evening only talking to other executives that he knew. This was a new bunch of people. He was in a social situation and he was very, very shy. That always stood out to me considering the reputation that the guy had. Mm -hmm. But he was a legend and, as you said, um, is one of the last remaining legends of the TV industry. All right, John Connell has died aged 80. He's better known to TV viewers as Strop. He was the man who can rightly be credited for making Paul Hogan an international success. He was also Kerry Packer's confidant during World Series cricket. His death comes after a 20-year battle with Parkinson's disease. Robbo, viewers really didn't know his impact on the industry, did they? I mean, he was huge as Strop but really behind the scenes, much more powerful. Well, he was a contradiction in terms because the Australian public only knew him as Strop and and the Strop character was someone who was, uh, you know, sensitively a a little simple and was the fall guy for a lot of uh, Paul Hogan's jokes. What people don't realise is that he was instrumental. Paul Hogan has said before that uh, Strop believed in him even when uh, Hogan didn't believe in himself. Uh, He was instrumental in such things as the Paul Hogan show, bringing Crocodile Dundee, uh, still one of our most famous film exports, to the screen. Plus, he also had another idea where he was a senior producer at A Current Affair. This is a man who was incredibly smart, that could work across, like you mentioned, uh, sport with World Series Cricket, which, which was just you know, an outrageous idea at the time. Uh, Channel 9 had to bring in extra engineers to work out how on earth we would do a cricket match at night with the lights. Um, and, and Packer and Cornell were, were massive parts of that. Um, this is a giant of the industry that people didn't know or would be surprised to know just the level of impact if they remember Strop. Uh, Strop yeah. had the, the jaw that was put out. He was the butt of the jokes, but this was a very, very smart man that made a lot of money for Channel 9, kept Channel 9 still the one throughout the 70s, 80s and 90s, and also made Paul Hogan an international celebrity. This is also a massive loss, almost on the level of Leckie, really, if you think about the impact that this man had on various genres of, of the TV industry. Very rarely will you find someone who can be brilliant at comedy and production, Um, brilliant at sport and then brilliant at news and current affairs. This guy was all of those things uh, and should be fondly remembered by the industry. Very well said, Robbo. Well, two-time Logie winner Dieter Brummer was found dead at his home in Glenhaven in Sydney's northwest on Saturday afternoon, aged just 45. New South Wales Police confirmed the news, saying there are no suspicious circumstances surrounding the actor's death. Uh, Sarah, 
He created a successful window cleaning business and apparently shunned the spotlight after Home and Away, but I don't think we can underestimate the impact early success can have on people. Yeah. Um, so I remember in year 10, um, Dita was probably the biggest thing on television and everyone wanted me to take him to my school formal and I had to explain that we worked at the same network but we weren't actually like BFFs. Um, <laughs> And we'd seen each other in passing. And then I went on exchange and I came back and I actually did a few episodes on Home and Away and um, I got to work with him. And he was lovely. Um, Other people weren't so much. um, But he was very, very generous and nice. Um, And, yeah, I think a lot of people are very unsympathetic to when your flame burns early. Um, like a lot of former child stars, and thank God I met the group in the US um, and have done work with a minor consideration because we all believe that there needs to be some mandated kind of training or counseling or something given to any minor who becomes, who works in the industry, whether they become huge or not. Um, because people like to call us has beens if we don't stay in the industry. And people yeah. will be like, you know, well, you know, you're just a washed up, you know, has been from a child star. And it's like, I'm sorry if I did more before I was 18 than you've done in your entire life. Um, <laughs> just because you have not accomplished anything doesn't mean that you should put down what I've done. Because mm-hmm. honestly, most of us have done things that other people can only dream of. But just like if you work at a McDonald's as a kid, like that's your first job, nobody expects you to stay in McDonald's for the rest of your life. Nobody expects you to even yep. stay in the restaurant industry for the rest of your life. You are free to move on. And in other industries that you become successful in as an adult, say you're a stockbroker and you make millions of dollars, but you burn out. You no longer find enjoyment in the industry and you go and become a pottery artist. And nobody questions that. But for some reason, if you were a child actor and you find success, people believe that you should just keep staying in the industry and become bigger and bigger and bigger. And teenagers, normal civilian teenagers go through bullshit that is hard enough without having it done in the public eye. And, you know, like when you have your first period on television, you have your first kiss on television, your first bra. I mean, these are all very intimate moments that are now performed in front of millions of people and everyone thinks they know you. And there's There's no way for kids and teens to then transition, even if they don't like the industry, even if they're very happy in what they've done. They're like, look, I was on the most successful TV show in the country. I've done it. I'm happy. I'm no longer finding joy in this. And I prefer to move on to a different industry. And nobody else will fucking accept it. And they keep telling you that you should be doing something else. And it's like, look, I'm I'm happy. And maybe Dita was very happy, you know, cleaning windows and he found joy because it was something that, you know, was easy and simple and it didn't have the pressure of the industry. But I'm sure people were still like, you know, you should be, you should be, you should be. And that's a lot to live up to other people's expectations. And I just wish that before someone said something to anybody in the industry who is no longer in the industry, that they would just stop and think or ask a question of, did you enjoy it before you say, well, you should have gone on. You should have become bigger. You should have done more. Because even people who don't make it big, you know, like actors, 99% of actors are unemployed. And just because you're cute as a kid, if you don't immediately stay cute or become super sexy, you're going to wash out, whether it's because you choose to or not. And more people need to understand a lot of child actors choose not to be actors as adults. 
And that's okay. It's fine. Everybody should have that choice. And you shouldn't feel that pressure to go on and, and work in the industry. And I just, I feel really, really bad for him and his family. And I hope that that didn't have anything to do with what happened to him. Yeah, everyone's skirting around the circumstances of his death, but I would say there was no suspicious circumstances which you can read between the lines. And I'll just do a call out here. If you are experiencing emotional distress, help is available. Please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or visit lifeline.org.au. There's Beyond Blue as well. All right, well, now we need to talk about one of Australian TV's most well-known and popular crew members. Phil Lambert has passed away over the weekend. Lambert worked at GTV9 Melbourne for 50 years before retiring in 2019. It was an achievement which would see him recognised as the station's longest-serving employee. While he worked on just about every program Nine produced in the city, it was his role as floor manager on Hey Hey It's Saturday where he would become beloved by viewers. Lambert earned the nickname Lucky Phil and was regularly featured on air in comedy segments. It's Lucky Phil was a huge segment and just it just spoke to the man because you know what you know what television's missing these days is people who love television. And people like Lucky Phil loved television. Uh, you know, he was a big part of all of these programs. Worked with Bert Newton, Don Lane, Denise Dryasdale, of course, Daryl Summers and the whole team. This is a man who has who has been around. We you know, we we should have someone should have sat down with him and had a big chat with him before he unfortunately passed away because this is a man who loved telly, uh, who didn't want to be on camera but was brilliant on camera, loved turning up to GTV every day at Bendigo Street in Melbourne. He didn't mind being on camera. No, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Absolutely. But this, again, this is a tough episode, isn't it? Because we're saying goodbye Mm. to to people people who just don't overly exist in TV anymore and those are the people who who still get goosebumps when walking into a TV studio. Um, Not to make it about me, but yesterday when walking into TVQ, which is Channel 10 Brisbane, that's an old-style studio and it just felt lovely because they're not around anymore. Martin Place with Seven is not a studio. That's right, exactly. But but you walk in these places and you think, oh, wow, like so much stuff has happened here. That's the sad thing as well. We're, we're, We're witnessing the death of these legends. And we're also witnessing the death of television as we know it. We are. But lucky Phil, I had the pleasure, the honour of doing a video with him. Uh, When they were closing down GTV9, I did a series of behind-the-scenes videos for Nine's YouTube channel. And I actually got to do a tour of Studio Nine with him, which had Millionaire hot Hot Seat in it at the time. And his love and passion came through. He thanked me for caring Mm -hmm. about the fact GTV9 was closing down. He thanked me for taking an interest in what he was doing. And I was I was a bit fanboyish. You all know I'm a TV geek and I'm there with him and, and a couple of others of the crew members. But he was just so loving the business, so loved what he did. And it's really unfortunate that someone at Nine, when I left Nine, made the decision to delete all those videos because maybe, hopefully, they're just taken offline. Hopefully, they're not deleted. Maybe they exist somewhere in their playlist. But he was just the most beautiful man in my short interactions with him, but someone who really cared about the industry. Uh, But look, Phil was a great man. 
we've lost a lot of people. We needed to t- just take some time and 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 recognise these giants of the industry who we lost this week. Dita Brummer, of course, I, I knew growing up, and he was responsible uh, for confusing my sexuality. So thank you very much, Dita. <laughs> I used to have Melissa George pitch, pictures up on my wall and then one Dita Brummer picture, then that became two and that became three. <laughs> so I spent my life, you know, Mondays I like Melissa George, Tuesdays I, you know, I like Dita Brummer, Wednesdays I like Nigella Lawson and Thursdays I like Robbo. So, you know, it's just oh, been Thursdays. the way I have been for my whole life. <laughs> so, so each morning when you woke up, you looked at a different section of the wall. Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> What a way to end our in memoriam segment. <laughs> Beautiful. That's TV Black Box. All right, now it's time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Uh, Robbo, let's start with you. Well, I've been watching that wonderful series, Fleabag. I'm always a little bit late oh. to programs that have started. I never really get into them as soon as they are released. This is a brilliant series, halfway through season two. Phoebe Wallerbridge is just an amazing talent, both. On screen and off screen, she wrote the script. It is brilliant, and I am already grieving for the characters. I don't know if anyone else out there does the same, but when I know that I'm about to finish a series, I start grieving beforehand. I don't know these people, and weirdly, these people aren't real. But it doesn't matter to my brain. My brain can't differentiate, and I sit there going... Oh, my God, I'm going to have to say goodbye to these characters. Why can't these people just keep doing more seasons? So that's what I'm, I'm watching at the moment. I'm watching Flea Mac, it's fine. Fabulous. Sarah, what are you watching? Uh, well, we all know I've been watching NCIS. Um, but apart from that, <laughs> no, it's just Matt when he just wants to chill after being on calls all day. He just turns on Netflix and NCIS, and we are up to season eight or nine. I don't know. It's, it's a long time. Anyway, um, Joe Casamento had given a review on a movie called Gunpowder Milkshake. So I watched that last night and um, it was very interesting. It was good. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't amazing, but it was interesting. Um, on the plane home from Minnesota, I was flicking through the on TV thing and there was a movie screen picture and they had my shrimp on it, like my shrimp tank shrimp with two women riding my shrimp. Oh, that's a sign. And it was called Bob and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. And I didn't watch it on the plane, but we also watched that one last night. And it's Kristen Wiig and Jamie Dornan. Um, and it um, they're making fun of people from the Midwest who go to Florida. Um, <laughs> and it was pretty accurate. Um, even, though, <laughs> <laughs> even though it's part musical and um, about an evil person who tries to destroy the world. Anyway, and then um, we watched a really old movie with Will Ferrell and Emma Thompson called Stranger Than Fiction, um, which is the one where she's narrating his life and he can hear the narrator's voice before she tries to kill him off. Um, and I know yeah. we watched some other stuff in there, but that was the only things that really stuck out. Fair enough. I have been watching Miranda with the kids talking about British comedy. Um, Britbox has three seasons worth of Miranda and we've been watching that. Uh, Also a bit of The Goodies, which has just dropped on Britbox, which is a lot of fun. Um, what else are you doing, uh, Grand- Granddad? What else are you watching? Are you listening to some ra- radio serials, are you, as well? <laughs> hey, listen to some Glenn Miller in the afternoon. Yeah. Tell us more, Granddad. 
I'm, I'm showing the kids. My middle child is loving this British comedy. Uh, uh, the whole family loves I Miranda. I showed my in-laws the goodies and my husband was like, please don't ever make me watch that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit hit and miss, to be honest, they but um, Ellie right loved now. it. And Amanda and I have been watching uh, The Handmaid's Tale. We're slowly making our way through that. And so they've really been the big ones that I've been watching. What about – oh, and, of course, seri- need to take a moment. Patricia Cavellis on ABC24, the afternoon briefing, briefing with PK – must watch for a full wrap of what's happening in politics that day. Um, we I, I also on Free to Wear have been really the the Olympic coverage has been fantastic and congratulations. Also loving Mad as Hell and nine fifteen every week is Media Watch Night on a Monday night what, in what this house. What are you, what are you reading the TV guide? How many shows <laughs> do you watch? How much shows do you watch? That's why he doesn't have time to make a TV show anymore because he's too busy yeah, watching yeah, it. This is what... <laughs> <laughs> he's got his highlighter out on the TV guide. He's going through it. Aaron, what about you? Well, Rob, just to tick off some business first, can you please send me that uh, Rob Lowe pick, please, uh, oh. after the show? That would be great. <laughs> it's not hard to find. It's, it's uh, right there. I've also had some uh, Joe Casamento uh, recommendation, and that was the Netflix movie uh, Call Me By Your Name. So I watched that and absolutely loved it. Totally recommend that one for Margaret Court to watch. Oh, wow. It's uh, a lovely story. <laughs> uh, Rose Haven is coming up soon on the ABC, and I did watch the first episode. It's so simple, yet so funny. Luke McGregor and Celia Pacuola are gold. Uh, Weakest Link, the final episode is... Whenever this goes up, but it's bum, this it's bum, this week. Bum. No, sorry. What's the funeral march? It's not. It's not the. Uh, it's not Darth from Star Wars. No. It's not. <laughs> anyway, forget it. Just keep talking. <laughs> the the weakest link. Final episode this week. It did get better, and I love, 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 love Magda. But darling. This is the wrong show for you. Yep. Yeah. Um, there are there is uh, four special episodes coming up, celebrity type ones. Um, but after that, I think nine will probably go away with this show, unless of course they bring in Gretel Colleen, which would be fantastic. Um, and finally, it was mentioned before, but I'm going to say it as well. This week it marks the end of the end Rob and Robbo show. 192 episodes, and I honestly can tell you I've watched 190 of them. I only missed one episode because of bloody copyright, but um, (laughs) uh, I I have watched. Um, I do want to say that it's a different experience watching a show when you know the person hosting it and what they put into the show, and I can tell you uh, to the audience that Rob does put his heart and soul into the show. He connects with his audience through socials. He he. He has a genuine love for the people that do connect uh, with and watch the show. Uh, Rob does that show. He does TV Black Box. He does this podcast, radio, mixing, I think it's water polo, isn't it? Um, the Monsters Who Murder stuff. He does a whole heap of things. And I've got a few of... side gigs I don't talk about publicly, but, yeah, there's a bit going on. <laughs> I was gonna, and I was going to mention some of the stuff he doesn't talk about. He has a busy family and he listens to my whinging sometimes as well. Sometimes. I never really... Yeah. <laughs> you know, it gets less as it goes on. Um, I never really know how you do it all. I think you've done a great job with the show. Well done, of course, to Sarah and Robbo, of course. I know there's going to be lots of reminiscing on the show on Thursday. I will, um, you know, leave it for that. But um, thank you so much, Robert. On behalf of the TV Black Box team, because it's kind of the sister thing, well done. 
You're a great visionary, probably just a fraction ahead of time with that show. Um, and you're a terrific bloke. Can't wait for the finale. Jesus. Thank you, Aaron. It's, uh, it's like attending your right own there. funeral. Yeah. Mm. And, and Aaron seems to have watched a lot more episodes than I did. He said he watched yeah. 190. I've watched probably half of one. I, I couldn't stand that show. <laughs> Those people on that show, just terrible. <laughs> but watch the sh- watch the last show tomorrow night, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so oh, no. Thursday night <laughs> at 8 p.m. is our final episode. You can find it at facebook.com slash the ARR show or R as we call it. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun and we won't indulge too much. Oh, hang on. Yes, we will. Um, so <laughs> uh, well, that brings us to the end of TV Black Box. Thank you for your kind words and don't forget, for the very latest news, go to tvblackbox.com.au and if you're on the newsletter subscription, you will get news delivered straight to your inbox, especially when it's breaking. You can sign up for the newsletter at tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter. We'll see you next week right here on the TV Black Box. We miss you, Mark. Thanks, Guy. Thanks for having me again. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.